Welcome to Oikos, guys. Good morning. That song, uh, I am a David Crowder band fanatic. Um, I met him one time, uh, just randomly, and uh, I just didn't, I couldn't speak. I just like, he, he was like, well, how you doing? I was like, oh, I'm fine. Um, but that song, in the middle of the storm, I'm holding on. I am. You know, I like listening to the words of songs, and even though they, that the song sounds really good, the words... They kind of just HDFI. That's the word for it. They HDFI. They make it more visible. And uh, that song is a very powerful song. Um, we have a lot of storms that we go through in life throughout our week, throughout our day. And we all feel it here today, I think. The energy of gathering together calms storms, doesn't it? Like when we come to church, when we gather together, when we uh, come into community, I'm going to slow down. Uh, that energy, awesome, that energy, like this right here, I'll sit right here for now, that energy, uh, it empowers us, it encourages us, it strengthens us, and I propose to today that that energy is home, that's church, it's beyond the building, it's the gathering together, and that gathering it's what gives us the strength to go on the next day and the next. That gathering gives us the hope. Because that gathering is, is another word I'm going to share with you, galvanized by the blood of Christ. And we gather together, it's not just to sing songs, but it's in the energy of the Holy Spirit and the community of people. It gives us the strength to go through the rest of our day, our week, and tackle the battles that God has for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. In the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about uh, Nelson and before him, David, about the birth of that church. What happened when Christ rose from the grave and he gave the commission to his disciples, his apostles. I'm going to stand right here. I'm going to stand <laughs> right here. I think God's saying something. Right here. Um, what happened? When that church, that first gathering, began to, 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 to galvanize and come together and start a powerful movement that is the reason why we believe today. What happened there? It's been awesome to see the stories of the, these ancient men and women. We heard about Lydia. The church started in her home, and it birthed from there, and it spread throughout the, uh, the Macedonian uh, a greater uh, African region because of starting in her, in her home through Apostle Paul. We heard about his stories and his journeys of Paul and Silas traveling to different parts uh, throughout Asia, spreading the gospel. And all of that was to forward and, and build and grow the church. Today we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about the story in Acts chapter 16 verse 35 through Acts 17, verse 15. And what I want you to, what I hope that you leave with today is the understanding that there is a home for all of us, and that home is a physical place, but it's also an emotional, spiritual place. So Alyssa and I, my beautiful wife, she's right there. She's like, don't do that. Um, we went to Scotland about two weeks ago, 
And uh, if any of you follow me on Facebook, you know I went Facebook nuts and just posted everything. So, um, but it was a great time. In Scotland, we saw a beautiful thing. I'm trying to sit up to right here. No, it's right here still. I can't move. We saw beautiful things, beautiful uh, mountain ranges, um, uh, you know, so, so green, uh, good people. We just really had an awesome time. And in the midst of being in Scotland, I was like, man, I'm going to just pledge allegiance to Scotland here and just, just you know, just, just defect from the U.S. because this is awesome. Um, it was a blessed trip. But towards the end of that trip, Alyssa and I were hiking up um, a mountain uh, called uh, Arthur's Seat in, in, uh, in, in, in uh, Edinburgh. Thank you. <laughs> in Edinburgh. And uh, it was raining and it was wet. And we was like, this is kind of not really a good idea. We thought it would be a good idea. And I, I, I looked at her, she, she looked at me, and we are like, it's time to go back home to Houston. <laughs> um, we began to miss Houston. And I thought about that. I'm missing Houston? You know, condensed traffic? The whole population of Scotland can fit in, this, in Houston, by the way. Like, literally. That's like, Houston has a greater population than the whole area, the whole country, almost a country, of Scotland. And so I was saying to myself, I want to come back to, 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 to the traffic jams, to, right, to the heat, to the mosquitoes, right, to Texans fans. No. <laughs> come back to that. And uh, God was telling me something. That's your home. That's, where you're, that's what you're used to now. Even though you don't realize it, you, you, you like that place. It's where you're supposed to be. I feel like in, chap, in this, in this uh, story with Paul and Silas and traveling throughout the region of Christian gospel, we get a sense of home. Paul encounters a lot of struggles, but every time he encounters a struggle, he's the same person. He preaches the same message. It doesn't matter what happens. He does the same thing. Because he knows who he is. He knows what he was called to do. He, has a, he, has a, he knows what his home is. So I'm going to ask you guys today, before we get into the, to the scriptures, how many of you guys feel comfortable, more comfortable being in church than at your actual home? How many of you are more comfortable being in church than actually at home? If you raise your hand, then you're like a saint right now. You're like glowing with light. But that's a good thing. Generally speaking, how many guys are more comfortable in your house than you are at church? I am. Now, why is that? At, at your home, you can be you, right? You can sit on your couch. You can burp, right? Other things you can expel if you want to. <laughs> um, you can drink a, drink a, a hard beverage, right? But in church, we're, we're kind of told that, we, you know, we can't be ourselves. We, we, have to, we have to wrangle back a little bit, right? There's a proper way that we, can, we have to be in church. We, we can't bring our beer in church. Hey, how's it going, pastor? All right. You know, we can't really just fully be ourselves. But I, I really believe that Christ wanted that to be. He wanted you to feel as comfortable in your house when no one's watching, when no one sees you, 
as comfortable there as you are here right now in this building because of the people that are around you and the spirit that's flowing through them, the Holy Spirit. Home is where the heart is, is what I'm trying to say. And Christ wants your home to be in the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Not anywhere else. In the body of Christ. And so if we feel more comfortable anywhere else than where there are people who love and encourage us in the gospel, that's not where he wants us to be. But we're not perfect. Who's perfect here? Good. <laughs> my, uh, my, Alyssa, you don't know. My wife, my wife is perfect to me, but no one's perfect. And when we go through struggles and stresses in life, we choose other homes. Right now, there are other homes in our hearts. There are other homes that we go to that aren't good places, they're not the body of Christ. When we're stressed, we, we go there. If you're stressed, you get angry, maybe. If you're stressed, you may want to drink more than you, than you would like to. You may, get, you may want to yell at people. Maybe at your wife or your spouse or your husband or your children. Those are our homes. We go to those things when we feel uncomfortable. Those are the places we've created to give us comfort except for going to the gospel. But God wants another way for us. So even pastors do this. Even I, a pastor intern, go to things that aren't spiritually unholy uh, to get comfort. A couple years back, before we met Oikos, before Oikos, which is crazy, like what? We were a part of, we went to another church, another um, Lutheran church, and there was a pastor there that I really liked a lot. He uh, was really good in basketball, and uh, he had like a basketball ministry that he did, and I mean, and the hoopers, like the real ballers would come out to play basketball. Like these guys would come out and they would play. And he was called to another church in another city. And uh, I wanted to, to, to show that I loved him. So I, I went to his home and I helped him move. And um, I think that since he was in his house, when you're in your home, you have a good element. You know, you're comfortable. And I saw a, a person that I didn't see at church, a little more, a little more angry a little more frustrated, a little less gentle. And I didn't feel bad about that. I actually liked that. I finally saw the real person here. You know, it's a new friendship for the first time. Who we are in our home is who we really are. Let's turn your scriptures, turn your Bibles or apps to Acts chapter 16. We're going to start reading together. This is Paul going through... uh, and preaching the gospel in, in certain regions uh, throughout uh, the, the Middle East. And he just got done converting. Uh, the Holy Spirit moved powerfully through, uh, as you know, through, uh, through Nelson Schmidt's ser- uh, sermon. The Holy Spirit moved powerfully and converted a jailer and, and his household. And so Paul is now about to get released from, from that experience. And we'll pick up here, Acts 16, verse 35. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let these men go. So the jailers told Paul, the city officials have said you you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. But Paul replied, they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison. And we are Roman citizens. So now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. 
let them come themselves to release us. When the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that, that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. They brought them out and begged them to leave the city. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged, uh, and encouraged them once more, and then they left town. So in this story, we, we heard through, through Nelson's message that Lydia was also converted, and it was a powerful conversion. She was an extraordinary woman. Even to this day, we don't really know who she was. We don't know if she was a widow, if she was a, a, a former slave that inherited a house or inherited title when that person died. We don't really know who she was. But we know that she was, a, she was a, a woman of power, and she had a household, and the church started in her home, which is a powerful thing. And, and we know this, that in this chapter, Paul went through a lot of distress. I mean, he spent... Uh, he spent a long night in prison. He was probably tired. He was probably hungry. He was probably, you know, abused. And where did Paul go? To the house of Lydia. He went to the house of the church. He went to the place where the church was just about to grow. He didn't do anything else but go to his church family. When we are in distress, where do we go for home? Paul could go anywhere else, he chose Lydia's house, and he got encouraged there. He got strengthened there before going on to the rest of our journey. There are many things in this, in this day-to-day life that we have chosen to go to, and every time that we go to those things, it ends in regret or, just, or, or it ends in a, a question that maybe I should have chosen somewhere else to go. The remedy to our sin is the Holy Spirit, which will work in our lives when we are accepting Christ and accepting the invitation, the invitation and challenge of Christ. So the remedy to our sin is accepting the Holy Spirit through Christ, and that always is an invitation and challenge. It's always an invitation and challenge. I would encourage you guys to get to know when even more because the call that he has accepted to come here was an invitation and challenge. And so I'm excited to see what God's going to do through his life. A lot of our struggles that we go through, it's only an invitation. The enemy says to us, you're stressed? Go to pornography. It's easy. It's right there. No one's watching. It's easy. They won't see you do it. Drink. Drugs. Whatever. That's the invitation of the enemy. You know it's not God when the solution's always an invitation, where it's just super easy. It's not God. It's God. It's Jesus when the solution sounds really good, but it's also going to be a challenge. 
The solution sounds really awesome, but it's also going to test you. It's also going to challenge you to trust him. Continue to hear that voice. That voice will lead you. That voice will lead you to uh, overcoming true struggles. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 to 25. This is our Lord and Savior speaking about invitation and challenge. He says, Then he said to the crowds, he was preaching many things, and he really homed in on this right here. And by the way, the apostles were standing around him. If any of you wants to be a follower of me, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Daily. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose yourself? Yourself is lost or you're destroyed. What do you benefit? You gain the whole world, but your very self is destroyed. Your home is destroyed. Who you are is destroyed. What does it matter? That's what the end wants to do, by the way. Those invitation-only solutions that the, that the enemy gives us, his solution is your destruction. It's our destruction. It's all he wants to do. But Jesus says, that if you want to follow me, you must take up that cross every day. Because that cross, that challenge to seek him and know him and the body that he has us in is the only way to have life eternally. This reminds me real quick, when we were in Scotland, uh, we went to see some really old, some very old um, monuments. I mean, we're talking like 5,000 years old here like unfathomably old. And we went to the rings of Broadgar. Sounds very old, right? Broadgar. And uh, we could touch the rings because they, were, they weren't really that common of attraction. And there were tour guides. There's a tour guide there, a Scottish man in a yellow jacket. And uh, he, you know, you walk up to him and ask him questions. And he would have, like, he, was a, he, he would have answers. I'd ask him, so what are these rings about? And why they create, I mean, why they build this structure? What was it used for? And he had more guesses than he had answers. He didn't really know. He knew that the rings were, were important. They were used for a purpose. But it was so long ago that no one knows what they were for. And as Alyssa and I rode away from, from, from those monuments and thought about it, I felt the Lord say, that's what your life is. If you seek after anything than me, it will be forgotten. I'm sure there was some God that they were worshiping for those rings. And they were huge. I mean, it took human feet beyond understanding to put them there. And so I'm sure that it was something really important that they were doing. But those people are gone, and that God is forgotten. And God was saying to me, you will be gone, and you will be forgotten. 
even a statue, even you know, your, a legacy you make for yourself, doesn't matter. Give it just 5,000 years, which is like that to God, right? You're gone. And so I got kind of nervous. Like, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to be forgotten. It's like, yeah, dude, you're going to die. Welcome to that reality, Howard. I'm glad you figured that out now. You're getting, you're getting bald here. It's the first step. Yeah. It's going to die. It's going to happen. But it was a good fear because God was like, now we can get past that, that insanity of thinking you're a turtle, you're mortal, and get to the reality that you're going to die and that you need my son. Because in my son, you will last forever. You will not forget in my son. Time is powerful, but I hold time in my hands. That's what he said to me in Scotland. So a fun story about that is we were, it's just uh, when I was a camp counselor a couple years back at Eagle Lake, we had this thing called the blob. And uh, I was the blob master. They had three blob masters, and it came down to how fat we were. Because the fatter you are, the higher you lost kids in the air. So the kids that are super brave, they asked for me. It's like, I don't want him. No, I want that guy. <laughs> okay. And I was like bigger than I am now. I was like 260. I'm like 225 now. So I was bigger, boy. And so we would, the kids would get dressed up, they get ready to go. The invitation was obviously to get launched off of this blob and fly up like 20 feet in the air and then crash down in the water. It's pretty exciting, right? Some of you. I don't know about that, but for some people it's pretty exciting to do. The challenge came when they got on the top to, to jump down onto the blob. Oftentimes the kids would get ready, they'd get all suited up, little 12-year-old kid, yeah, man, let's do this, man, let's go up there, yeah, okay, now, uh, launch me like super high, dude, okay, sweet, all right, great. So they'd go up there, and I'd, I'd walk up, and I knew it was going to come because that was part of my job was to encourage the kids to actually jump off and do it. And most of the time, I'd say like about 75%, I, I did the math, you know, okay, of the kids would get scared. They'd get up to the top, and they'd be like, oh, that's a ways down. That's kind of far. <laughs> do I really want to do this? And then I'm right behind them. I'm like, well, that's a big black dude behind me. I guess I got to do this. He's not going to let me. I'm not going to get by. And so I talked to them, encouraged them, and, and everything. And somehow, by the power of the gospel, they would just jump off and fall down. <laughs> Someone would fall off the blob in the water. Like, all right, you up and try it again. And then I'd jump off and pff, launch them in the air. And every time, most of the time, unless they got hurt, which happens sometimes, most of the time, and they were fine, they came back and they were excited. That's the, that's the challenge of Jesus and his invitation. It's hard, but when we do it, it gives us life. Acts 17, verse 10 to 15. So Paul has moved on. There was persecution after their first time. They went to a synagogue. They preached the gospel. People responded. Some believed. Some didn't. They, they did that all over again in another town. And now they're in their final town in this story in Berea. Verse 10. That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to, to Berea. When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. 
And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. So in Thessalonica, the previous town, their minds were kind of closed. Their heart or their home wasn't really open to receive Jesus. And so some believed. But something about the Bereans made them more able to receive. As a, as a result of Paul's message and teaching, as a result, many Jews believed and did, and did many of the prominent Greek men, women and men. But when some Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the gospel of God in Berea, they were stirred up with trouble. The believers acted at once, sending Paul onto, onto the coast with Silas and Timothy from reminded, remained behind. Those escorting Paul went with him all the way to Athens. Then they returned to Berea with instructions of Sil- for Silas and Timothy to hurry and join them there. So once they had left the area because they were afraid for their life, when it was safe, they asked for their brothers to join them. They wanted to have their fellowship with them. They were never alone. They sought to be in the body of Christ, in the communion of believers. The Bereans were, their hearts were open to receive the gospel. They, they, they chose that in their distress, in their struggle, in their troubles, to choose the body of Christ, the word of God, instead of deciding to choose something else. They were more ready for that, and so many of them believed. What's our heart like today? There are many Pauls that come into our life and they share the truth with us. We hear it all the time. We're in a blessed country. We hear it all the time. We hear the gospel all the time. We, anyone you can walk up here and tell me the gospel, really. We all know the gospel, basically. But how has our heart been like the Bereans and ready to receive it? We just passed it on. Are we ready to choose his invitation and challenge and life? Receive the invitation and challenge like the Bereans so that your faith will grow. Be open. That's the only way to receive life is to be open to God, to the gospel. Receive not just the invitation, but the one that is challenging and is, makes you nervous and makes you scared, makes you, makes you doubt, makes you have to trust God. Receive that one. That's the one that will give you triumph, that'll give you life. Here are ways to receive that challenge. Just reading the word every day. There are many times when I'm like excited about the word. Usually like after God speaks to me. Like, oh man, that was great. I'm gonna read the word. I'm gonna read it every day. And then the next day, oh yeah, uh, I'm gonna read it tomorrow. And the next day, oh yeah, I'm reading next week. And the next day I'm gonna read, uh, you know, what? <laughs> what? The challenge of reading the scriptures every day. That's a good one. You'll see life, you'll see wisdom, you'll see the spirit moving your life. Let someone hold you accountable. Don't walk this alone. And your challenges and your struggles, let someone hold you accountable to your struggles. Someone you can trust. Let them into your life. 
Don't do it alone. Confess your struggles. Confess your sins. Confess your issues to people that are in your life. Your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, your, your, your girlfriend, your friends. Confess your struggles. It'll bring you closer to them and to the body of Christ. Maybe tithe. Just see what God can do through money. A lot of struggles are just through the fact that we think money is our, is our solution. That money is our home and not the, the body of Christ. Commit to the fellowship of believers around you. Commit to it. I know it sounds hard. That word is so like, commit. Commit to it. You will see so much impactful things done in your life when you commit to being with people who are following Christ. It's an invitation and a challenge. But you'll see it happen. You won't be alone. People will speak into your life, and you'll grow. Commit to it. I'm so glad for my wife and being married to her. Committing to that, to that invitation and challenge of just being married and to the Oikos family that's committed to me and I to them. A better person. Still growing, but I'm a better person than just casually doing it. We'll go back to verse 12 in Acts 17. So as a result of this openness to the challenge and the invitation of Jesus, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. Many believed. If you want to believe today and let that transform your life, make your home the place where you're comfortable. Make that the body. Make that Jesus. And if it's not, it's okay. Pray about it. God, why, 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 why am I not so comfortable I'm around other believers? What is it about, about me? What is it about them? What, what, needs to, what needs to change so I can really openly embrace Jesus? Because that's where life is. Everything will pass away. Everything will pass away. But Jesus and his people. Everything. Let's make Christ our home today. Commit to that invitation and challenge. And there will be life transformation. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for dying on the cross for us. Thank you so much, Lord, for going through so much pain and struggle to create a family, a family that transcends ethnicity, uh, regions, gender, beliefs, ideals, as long as the belief is in Jesus Christ. That's the family you created on the cross. And thank you for sending your prophets and friends and your Holy Spirit through them to show us that our home Our home is in you. And help us, Lord, in this world where we hear so much stuff that takes us from where we were created to be, that we don't listen to that 
and we listen for your voice. And then we expect that that voice will be beautiful and it will be lovely and encouraging and comforting and it will minister to us and it will also be a challenge. It will be a struggle. It will make us have to sow faith. And may we embrace that voice through invitation and challenge today and tomorrow and to the rest of our lives so we may truly say that our church home, that the Holy Spirit is, in our, is our home and that we feel the most comfort and rest in you. Be with us throughout our week and show us, Lord, May we trust in you every day and embrace you. Thank you so much for your body, Lord Jesus, that we get to be a part of every day. In Jesus' name, amen.